The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Sunday, May the 17th, 2020. Do you believe a person can be killed twice? Do you believe a person can be killed twice? In the case of many people, Trayvon Martin, Charlena Lyles, Sandra Bland, and Ahmad Arbery, the answer to the question is yes. Specifically in the case of Ahmad Arbery. I will speak about why that is happening yet again to a black person who is assassinated, lynched, executed by white people or police when I return. Welcome back. In the coming days, I will be doing a podcast episode on Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor was executed in her own home as she slept. She was executed by police officers who were looking, they said, for a quote-unquote suspect who was not in her home. In fact, had apparently been at the county jail in a city in Louisiana, where this execution took place recently. We must demand justice for Brianna Taylor. There will be more on this podcast about Brianna Taylor in the coming days. So please stay tuned for that. On this episode, I wanted to talk about something that has happened over and over again to black people who have been executed by white people in the United States in those cases that get high profile attention. There is a second death that happens to those individuals, those black people who are just minding their own business and they are just murdered, lynched, executed. The second death, the second killing, the second lynching is the characterization of those individuals. We saw it with Trayvon Martin. Oh, he had some marijuana in his system. 
this attempt to sully the dead person as if his life didn't mean anything. Black lives matter. They always have. They always will. In America, the state apparatus provides the effect very concretely that they do not matter, that those black lives are not worth anything to the state, whether it is in cases of the death penalty, whether it is in cases where police take, take it upon themselves to shoot and kill unarmed black people, whether it is in cases where white people take it upon themselves to shoot and kill black people. But do you know the one area where the state actually does do its job? When black people kill other black people. That's when the state apparatus actually works. That's when the state apparatus says, oh, okay. Here's a shooting. Here's a death. Now the legal system will go through the process. We arrest this person. We arraign this person. We have a trial or a plea. And away we go. That person serves time. And that's done. That is just about the only time where a black person's family gets justice. But in situations where white violence, white people are committing violence against black people. Very rare is the instance where that happens. I can think of only two cases of recent note, maybe a third in Kentucky where a police officer over the last two or three years was actually convicted white police officer of killing a black person. The other two instances I can think of of recent note here in the United States are the killing, the assassination of Renisha McBride, a black woman who had been involved in a really bad uh, traffic accident in the middle of the night in Michigan, in the suburbs, and she was looking for help and needed help. She needed a cell phone to call and she wanted to borrow someone's phone. And she was shot dead, shot five times at point blank range through a screen door by a white man in his own home. After two trials, he was convicted. Two trials. The other case was Jordan Davis in Florida. Jordan Davis was killed by Michael Dunn, a white man who decided to take it upon himself to shoot up a vehicle. He said that the vehicle had this loud music in it. It was rap music. And so to him, that was just the justification for murdering Jordan Davis, who sat in the back of the car. Jordan Davis's mother, Lucy McBath, is now a representative in Congress here in the United States. It took two trials for Jordan Davis to get justice, for Lucy McBath to get justice. The character assassinations are the second killing. Whether it is Trayvon Martin at the hands of George Zimmerman, whether it is Eric Garner at the hands of the NYPD and Daniel Pantaleo, who finally got fired this year, or was it last? Finally after years being able to continue his job, after killing somebody caught on video doing it. The character assassinations. 
there are more character assassinations of black victims of white violence than there are of the white people who kill and execute those black people. And in a society that is upheld by institutionalized racism, white dominance, and a white lens through which everything is seen. The character assassination of Ahmad Arbery is coming full, full bore. If you have a television set or an iPad or a laptop or an iPhone or any kind of screen and you happen to watch CNN, particularly over the last week or so, you will have noticed these stories about a structure that was still under construction. A structure that Ahmad Aubrey happened to look into during his jog. You will have seen the video being played of his look into that property on that day. The same day that two white men took it upon themselves to arm themselves with guns. One of them arming himself with a gun that, by the way, is not I can't even finish the sentence. One of them, by the way, arming himself with a long gun. Ahmad Arbery is now being looked at differently than he was being looked at a week or two ago. Now we're seeing photos and videos of him going into the structure on the same day that he was assassinated, lynched in full view. And then CNN is showing us video provided by an attorney for a man named Larry English. And the attorney, her name is Elizabeth Grady is providing video to, I guess, police and providing it to the media. And CNN is playing video of a man who walked into that structure back in December of 2019 and two weeks before the assassination of Ahmaud Arbery. February the 11th was the other video that was played. Then there are these videos of other times where other people of all kinds of racial backgrounds were walking in and out of that structure. Why is CNN doing this? Why are these videos even connected? What do these videos have to do with two armed white men lynching Ahmad Arbery in broad daylight? Lynching a man who had no business being lynched. He had no business being killed. He was jogging. And when you jog, you do not typically jog with any weapon. Aubrey had every right to be living. And those two white men, Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael, had no right at all to even approach him, let alone assassinate him and lynch him as they did. 
They had no right to lynch him. They had no right to get near him. He was not a threat to them. And even if he had taken something from a structure that was under construction, that did not give either of these two murderers any right to end the life, brutally end the life of Ahmad Arbery. We are getting away clearly from that fact, from that truth. And what CNN is doing now is getting us distracted with video that has no connection at all to the day in question. Why not go back to a video in 2015? Why not go back to a video in 1917? Why not go back to a video in the year 1500? It makes no sense. Or it makes perfect sense when you consider that this is the way that the dominant white society treats black people who white men or women have murdered The suggestion from these videos that keep playing now of people entering structures, and by the way, the person doesn't even look like Ahmad Arbery. But the whole idea why CNN is doing this and why defense attorneys, whether it's Elizabeth Grady or somebody else or someone in one of these police departments is doing this, is to create a taint in the perspective jury pool. The larger effect is to create the impression in people's minds around the country and beyond that, well, these two white men were just defending the neighborhood. These two white men were just trying to protect, just trying to protect the neighborhood. And you can imagine, right, that when a black man jogs in the neighborhood in broad daylight or any time of day or night, we really do have to protect our neighborhood. We two white men with guns have to protect the neighborhood. Because, you know, we get really nervous when we see a black person because, you know, we just can't handle that. We react to that and we don't know what to do. We haven't resolved our fear and our own inadequacy when we see someone black, when we see someone who looks different from us. We don't know how to handle that. But you know what we do? Instead of trying to handle and understand and investigate why we feel so uncomfortable and when we react with such discomfort to someone who is black, we resolve our issue with a gun. That's what we do. It's quick. It's dirty. It's easy. And hey, the white society that looks at this won't even care. Most of them will not care. You'll have a few that will. But I tell you, that doesn't even matter to us. What matters to us is that the justice system will protect us. We'll have corrupt prosecutors who won't even recommend that we get arrested. Come on. If you're white, you know darn well that you can go down the street right this second and shoot dead a black person. And there's a very, very good chance that you won't even be arrested, much less 
convicted of a crime. Georgia has its problems. Georgia has its problems. And the mainstream news media like CNN is creating a defense for these two racist and murdering thugs. That to me is media malpractice, Chris Cuomo. That to me stinks of tainting a prospective jury pool. That to me is all about trying to muddy the waters when a videotape clearly shows you that no waters can be muddied. So now it's the distract game. It's the distraction game. It's the Trump distraction game. Don't pay attention to what happened on that videotape where two white men lynched a black man minding his own business. Pay attention to these videos from months ago over here where people are walking in. A man in particular is walking in to the structure, doing so during the day, doing so at night, running away from it. I mean, the person on these videos doesn't look anything like Aubrey. In fact, that's not Aubrey in the videos. But what these videos are designed to do for the general public, but more importantly to the jury pool that's going to be called for this case when it comes to trial sometime this year or next, is to create the illusion and the impression that whoever was going to be around in those structures had it coming to them. Never mind the fact that many white people walked in and out of that structure. And the idea is to get you to think that Ahmad Arbery had it coming, even though he had no connection to any of this, and to get you to believe that these two white men, well, they were just trying to protect the neighborhood, protect property, because white property... Yeah, you know, that's more important than black life in America. So, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, they didn't set out to murder him. They got it wrong. We rarely ever punish white people who get it wrong. And white thought is much more valued than black life is. When a police officer says, well, I thought, I thought he was going to do this. I thought he was going to do that. I thought, I thought, I thought. He looked like he was going to. It's all in the mind of the person who has the gun and the badge or doesn't have a badge. Georgia has its problems. I'll explain why that is when I return. Welcome back. Georgia has its problems. CNN, instead of showing video of someone entering a structure that has nothing in it, Someone entering a structure who doesn't do anything but runs away should invest its valuable time and viewers' time raising critical questions about Georgia and the system of corruption that has absolutely been the hallmark of its prosecutorial machinery.
when it comes to prosecuting black people who are killed by white people. As I said earlier, the state apparatus works perfectly when a black person is killed by another black person. There's no obstruction, there's no cover-ups, there's no anything. Justice is meted out. The actual apparatus works well when a black person is convicted of killing a white person. That happens. And in the times that that happens, the machinery goes through perfectly. In fact, the machinery works very well in many cases when a black person In fact, in every case where a black person is wrongfully accused and wrongfully convicted of killing a white person, as a matter of fact, ends up dying because of the death penalty all across this country. As most recently happened to Nathaniel Woods in Alabama, a crime that he insists that he did not commit. And yet he was put to death, executed by Governor Kay Ivey of Alabama back in February or March of this year. The apparatus works super well then. But when video shows us two white men executing, lynching a black man in broad daylight... Somehow the apparatus doesn't work. And that's not even a somehow. That's a certainty that it will deliberately choose not to work as well. As when you execute an innocent black man. On death row. In Alabama. Georgia has its problems. America has its problems. We know now of the Aubrey case that the fourth different prosecutor has come in to take over prosecuting Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael, the fourth one. CNN should be focusing on that. CNN should be focusing on the long-standing history of corruption, criminality, and illegality running throughout these Georgia counties, whether it be Waycross County, whether it be Glynn County, in the city of Brunswick. This has been going on for centuries in Georgia. This has been going on literally for centuries. Gregory McMichael was a police officer in that area. He was a police officer in Glynn County. And his buddy, the district attorney of Glynn County, I believe, or Brunswick, her name is Jackie Johnson or something. Jackie Johnson refused to allow police to arrest Gregory McMichael or arrest his son, Travis. That's according to a couple of people who are officials down in that area of Georgia. She recused herself from this case. There are photos of her circulating online with Gregory McMichael standing next to her as he held a plaque of some kind, both of them beaming and smiling. Gregory McMichael was also a investigator in that same county under Jackie Johnson. 
and he had been one for years and years, 20, 30 years at least, after he ended his stint as a police officer. He recently retired. There were police officials, according to the New York Times, texting, texting residents in the area where Ahmad Arbery was murdered, texting them saying, hey, look, if you need some help with any kind of breaking issues in your neighborhood, your property may not be safe. If you think that that's going on, if your security camera shows you that this is happening, then you call Gregory McMichael. He's the guy that can help you out. This is a police official doing this. Gregory McMichael was retired. He is not a police officer anymore. So why is a police officer, a police official texting a resident in the neighborhood and telling them in that text that if you have any issues with your property, Gregory McMichael is the one to see. And then you give in the text Gregory McMichael's phone number out to the resident that you're texting. Why couldn't that police official say, well, you know what? If you're having problems with your property or issues with it, you call us. You call us. We're the police. We're the ones to help you with that. I think CNN should be looking into that. I think CNN should be looking into why there are now four. There's now a fourth prosecutor on this case. CNN should be looking into why there's been a legacy of corruption and continues to be and cronyism and criminality and illegality in those departments. Why it took 74 days for these two white men to be arrested. CNN should be looking into that. Chris Cuomo should be looking into that. I know that there is a reporter at CNN, Martin Savage, who is looking into some of this. But Chris Cuomo should be doing deep dives the way that Lawrence O'Donnell did deep dives into Ferguson, into its police department, into the prosecutor's office in 2014. That's what Lawrence O'Donnell was doing. So Chris Cuomo, instead of having these cozy little chats with your brother, the governor of New York, who, by the way, isn't doing this great job that everybody thinks, including myself, thinks or once thought. For the record, Governor Andrew Cuomo and the guy that he hates and vice versa, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, have both done a pretty appalling job in responding to the coronavirus in their state and in their city. In March, by the way, you had Mayor de Blasio tweeting about films and music that he recommended and plays he was recommending of this year, March the 2nd. That was just two months ago, two and a half months ago. While here in San Francisco, California, Mayor London Breed was telling people, be prepared. This virus can do this. This virus can do that. We're still learning more about it. But this is what it is doing and what it can do and what it will do. And here's what you must do. Wash your hands, soap and water, physical distancing. That's what she was saying in March. They did a comparison of tweets on May, on March the 2nd of this year, 2020, in SFGate, sfgate.com. And they did these side-by-side tweets of what Mayor Breed was saying in San Francisco on the very same day that what Mayor de Blasio was saying in New York City, which was 
Well, you know, my favorite show is this. I recommend that. All the while, people were dying. All the while, people were infected. And Governor Cuomo, I'm not going to leave you out either, since we're talking about Chris Cuomo and his brother. Andrew Cuomo cut Medicaid from his budget. Andrew Cuomo cut the number of hospitals in the state. He cut the number of hospital beds in the state of New York. That never gets brought up by his brother during their little cozy tete-a-tetes on his program on CNN. What is not being talked about in this case, and I'm talking about Ahmad Arbery, is the institutional corruption that is going on, the institutional criminality that is going on, that's baked into the Georgia cake, that's baked into the American cake when it comes to black people who are victims of white violence. We need a new frame in this country when we speak about these things. And while it is true that we have jogging while black, sleeping while black, selling water while black, and on and on and on, shouldn't we really be turning this around on the people who are actually doing this to us? What about killing while white? What about that? Yes, of course, it is important to point out that black people are not even allowed to just live. But what if we had hashtags like, or at least had lexicon like, calling the police on black people while white. Would that not make a little bit of difference to the discussion in terms of how we frame this and how people think about it and where we should be putting the specific onus? And then ask, why is it that white people who do this choose to pick up a cell phone and call the police? on black people who are just living, just minding their own business. That has always been a thing in this country. Georgia has its problems. America has its problems. Serious ones. Instead of putting the emphasis on, and I guess, look, I'm not advocating for it not to be looked at, but instead of saying, well, this while black, that while black, that while black, that while black, why don't we, why don't we also, or I, we can do either or, or both. I think we should be saying things like killing while white or calling the cops on black people for no reason while white. I think the lexicon needs to change because when you keep saying while black, while black, while black, there is an invisibility that goes with that because what you're not saying is who is doing this to you? What you are not saying is who is the perpetrator of these acts? And so therefore, if you're not naming who the perpetrator is and not putting that part into the conversation also, then you render them invisible whether you intend to or not. 
This must go beyond trendy hashtags. Black lives matter. But white silence kills. What if there was a hashtag or what if there was a conversation about white silence and how that kills? There was a recent photograph released at the area in the neighborhood where Aubrey was assassinated. Where the note, the note read something to the effect of, Dear Ahmad, I'm so sorry, I should have stopped them. It was an anonymous note. White silence in the face of white violence. That is the conversation that Chris Cuomo should be having on his show. Instead of showing us structures that have nothing to do with the lynching of young Ahmad. Aubrey. Georgia has its problems. There is corruption running rampant in these police departments, in the very same police department that was not dealing with the killing, assassination, lynching of Ahmad Aubrey. Lots of cases of corruption, of cases of botched prosecutions, non-prosecutions. Cases where police weren't doing things right with evidence, was destroying evidence, hiding it, taking it. It was the law of the jungle in these places and still is. And there was no oversight. Now the Justice Department is thinking about whether it's going to investigate or not. A fourth prosecutor has been brought in, a fourth, because the other three weren't up to snuff. The third one, who I talked about, Tom Durden, who I played you audio of, and he just, he actually had had an operation on his vocal cords. This guy was never inspiring confidence. I told you about that in a previous episode of this podcast. The latest prosecutor is a black woman, African-American woman from Cobb County in suburban Atlanta. She is a Republican. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it doesn't mean. But she now will be the fourth different prosecutor on this case. Georgia has its problems. There is a citizen's arrest law that has existed in Georgia since 1863. It's a law that in, a, in essence tells any citizen that they can effectuate an arrest of any other citizen or civilian in the state. Eighteen sixty three. That is during the Civil War. That is during the enslavement of black people. These laws were rooted in racism. These laws were rooted in the oppression of black people, in the silencing of black people, in the murders of black people. These rules, these laws are a function of enslavement patrols. And that is where the police came from. There would literally be white men patrolling neighborhoods, 
looking for escaped black people who they wanted to then re-enslave or they just murdered them. That's where all of this came out of. And so in 1863, during enslavement, there was, and during the Civil War, there was, in Georgia, a citizen's arrest law. It has not been repealed. It is still on the books. It is still in use. Well over a hundred and 50 years later. These laws are well outdated. These laws allow white people, almost exclusively white people, to get away with murder. In Florida, a stand-your-ground law vastly helped out George Zimmerman in his murdering Trayvon Martin. Didn't help Marissa Alexander, though. I wonder why it didn't help Marissa Alexander. I think you know why. Type in Marissa Alexander and see what she looks like what the color of her skin looks like. Same state of Florida. Florida too certainly has its problems. All of these southern states rooted in this kind of thing. This citizen's arrest law in Georgia, which is still on the books from 1863 till now, has allowed mainly white people to literally get away with murder. Perhaps that won't happen here. Maybe that's just pie-in-the-sky thinking from yours truly. We will see, and so will those who are in the streets, From the New York Times, dated May the 13th, 2020, written by Francis Robles, or Robles. Title of the article, The Citizen's Arrest Law Cited in Aubrey's Killing, Dates Back to the Civil War. I'm going to read you a small portion from that story concerning citizens' arrest laws in Georgia. In the case in suburban Atlanta, Hannah Payne, 22 years old, she is a white woman, is awaiting trial on murder charges for the shooting death of Kenneth Herring a black man, a 62-year-old mechanic who left the scene of a fender bender last May, that's May 2019. Miss Payne, who was not involved in the crash, chased Mr. Herring in her Jeep. Witnesses told police in Clayton County, Georgia, that Miss Payne blocked Mr. Herring's truck approached the open driver's side window of his vehicle and punched him with her left hand as she pointed a 9 millimeter firearm with her right hand. A 911-911 dispatcher told her to stand down, but the police said the call recorded Miss Payne's demands, quote, get out of the car, she yelled, using a vulgarity. 
A single shot was fired and Mr. Herring stepped out of the truck and died. What an odd sentence that is. Oh, a fired shot. He stepped out of the truck and died. What a weird sentence construction there. Oh, he just, what is he? Is he the guy from the Green Mile? I mean, the way that these stories are written, I'm sorry. The, the, it's just these New York Times stories, and they're not the only one that does this. These writers have these fantastical ways of putting things. I get it. There's a trial. She's on trial, and so you don't want to taint anything. See, they're so, so careful not to taint things when it comes to But they have, you know, when a white person's on trial, they have no problem tainting it. When it's a black person or an accused, the same New York Times who was saying that these five young boys in Central Park raped a female jogger, which, of course, they didn't. But they had no problem saying that the youths raped and beat a Central Park jogger, which they did not. But that's what the headline of the New York Times was back in 1989. I still have the clipping of the paper. And it's online. But they are so careful. Since there's a white woman on trial. They're so careful. To use language. is not going to sound like it incriminates her. Even though it's very clear. From the description that I've just read you. That this woman. Murdered. That. Man. Mr. Herring. It's obvious to me that's a straight out execution. You're trying to effectuate an arrest. You're trying this. You weren't. You didn't even see what happened, and you're chasing a man down in a vehicle with your gun, and then you're punching him in the face, and you've got a nine millimeter pointed at him. It sounded like you just wanted to get your rocks off and you wanted to murder this man. You knew, because you've seen it so many times, that white people get away with murder when it comes to killing black people. So you felt you could probably have your turn. Let me have my moment in the sun. Back to the article. Miss Payne, described by her lawyer as an all-American girl, that means white, for those of you listening along at home. Who thought she was helping out. Is now facing a long prison term for a killing that shares eerie similarities to the shooting death of Mr. Arbery, who was killed in February after a father and son told the authorities they thought, that word thought, he was the suspect of a rash of recent break-ins in their neighborhood. When I saw that Aubrey case, I thought, here we go again. Mr. Herring's widow, Christine Herring, said in an interview. To Miss Herring, people like the young woman who killed her husband feel empowered by the law to handle critical to handle criminal matters on their own. That is exactly what is going on in Georgia and has for many, many years. And this is happening all over southern states and in some northern ones and in some central states. When you have these laws, you give people power to do what they want is that classical libertarian model. No regulation, open carry. Georgia's an open carry state with some restrictions, but it's an open carry state. And when you combine that with the racism and the institutionalized racism and the racial hatred that many white people engender against black people and other people, whether they are Latinx or Native American or Asian, you have a powder keg that gives that white person such ungodly power as to be frightening. 
And these aren't even police officers. These are just general public people. People who are members of the public. That is too much power for someone to have. It is dangerous. And black people are paying the price for this. These laws must be changed. They must be repealed. And there must be movements to do that. I'm sure there are down in Georgia and elsewhere. But we have to start calling our Congress. Doug Jones, down in Georgia, who is the, the uh, excuse me, he's in Alabama. He's next door. Well, he's close by. But you should be calling your Georgia senators. Kelly, Kelly Loeffler, by the way, is one of them who is in a lot of hot water at the moment with this insider trading situation. But if you care about this, you should be calling her at 202-225-3121. She is up for re-election this coming November. You might want to call her and also the other senator in Georgia as well. Forget his name. You might want to call him too. And ask them what their position is on the citizen's arrest law in Georgia, especially in light of these two cases, the case of Ahmad Arbery being executed. And that wasn't even a citizen's arrest. I mean, th- these guys ambushed him. This case with Hannah Payne from a year ago, where she murdered Kenneth Herring. I mean, just listening to the way, if you just listen to those facts that I read out to you, she chased him down. She approached the open driver's side door of his vehicle, punched him, punched him. The guy didn't do anything to her. He's driving away. He had no duty to, he actually stopped and then drove off. He had a diabetic episode. So he had to get back and deal with that. And this crazy comes up to him with a gun, points it at him point blank, nine millimeter, punches him and points a gun at him as he punches him. This woman intended to murder him. Get out of the fucking car. She shot him. Point blank. Oh, but she's an all-American girl who thought she was helping out. What? Helping out what? Helping out the death count of the amount of people in her state? The amount of white people that murder black people and get away with it? When I saw that Aubrey case, I thought, here we go again, Christine Herring said, widow of Kenneth Herring. And just like in the George Zimmerman case with Trayvon Martin, when an I-11 dispatcher said to him, okay, don't follow him. Don't follow Mr. Martin. We'll have police. We'll send a unit there. Do not follow him. Do not follow him. Zimmerman said, okay, I won't. And then he continued to follow him. And then he murdered him. And then he got away with it. And then he did sketches and sold them on eBay and bragged. What a psychopathic country we live in. Just like in that case, Hannah Payne told by a 911 dispatcher to stand down. She obviously ignored them. The call recorded Miss Payne's demands. Get out of the car, she yelled. A single shot was fired. And Mr. Herring stepped out of the truck. And died. Enough. Is enough. It's time to vote.
It's time to vote. Iwillvote.com It's time to demand justice in all of these cases. Whether it's Breonna Taylor, whether it is Kenneth Herring, whether it is Ahmaud Arbery, or anyone else who is in a situation where they are being murdered. This cannot stand. Thank you for listening to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.